righty. Me? No. Heaven no. That's I I may be the Pastor Tony in length, but I will never be a Cowboys fan. Sorry, not sorry. So I will be so I guess technically I am a Cowboys fan during the regular season just for the hopes of them to lose round one <laughs> in the playoffs. That's that's the only thing, because I want them to do so well and everyone be so happy and then be so sad. Uh, so I, yeah, it's, it's not great. It's, it's just the truth. It is just the truth. I'll let them talk for me this year. That's fine. I'm I'm happy for you. I'm glad that you learned wisdom. Um, but uh, going over this text while I was reading through it, and we'll we'll obviously have it read here in a second. Uh, it reminded me of a recent story that I heard from a comedian. Um, the first part, you know, they're talking. Jesus is talking to them, and they're like are you going to restore the, the kingdom to Israel right now? And he was telling a story of how they had this really old dog. He was about 13 years old, and they had a six-year-old daughter. And this daughter had never had anything or anybody die in, this, in her life. She had no concept of what death was. So this dog had kidney failure. It was, it was really bad. It was a bad situation. So he's like, I need to prepare her for this. And so he's like, he looks at her, and he's like, darling, the dog's going to die. And then he said, I continued to tell her every single day. Every, I'd wake her up, and we'd have this conversation. <laughs> the dog is going to die. And the dog proceeded to live six months. <laughs> so she, she, every morning, got the, the dog's going to die pep talk. And when the dog finally died, <laughs> the mom was the one that told her, uh, and she acted as if she had never heard that the dog was going to die ever and bawled and cried for like 20 minutes. And so he's like, this is uh, typical of, of how children react. They don't understand. They don't quite grasp concepts that they've never went through. Um, and this, I think, is very representative of what the disciples are doing. They have never seen anyone bodily ascend. They've never seen anyone go up into the clouds and so they just, they're like, okay, I'm sure he's meaning this metaphorically or like he's meaning this uh, some other way. But in reality, Jesus is literally ascending. He's physically going up into heaven, into the clouds. Um, who, who has Acts 1, 6 through 11? Did I, did I hand that one out? If not, I will show you it. You said 6 through 11? Yes, 1, 6 through 11. This is our, this is our text. Yeah, go ahead. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, is it, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and all of you there, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and the cloud took him out of their sight. While they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go in. Yes. Thank you. Um, so I'm going to break this, this whole section down into three. Uh, the first section is going to be verses six through eight. It's going to be the commission. The second, se- the second section is the ascension, verses nine through ten. And then the final Uh, 
section is the promise, uh, which is verse 11. So beginning in verse uh, six through eight, you know, the disciples are like, oh, wow. Like, you know, like we're talking about the kingdom and all of this is so exciting to them. And they're like, this is this is the time. This is the moment. And this is, um, you know, because of their upbringing. Right. They, like the Jewish the Jewish people had been looking for the Messiah for thousands of years. Um, they had heard stories. They, they were expecting them him to come and to deliver them from bondage and to restore Israel and to set up the kingdom of David and, and to have a physical uh, representation on earth of uh, the kingdom in heaven. But that is obviously not what um, God was looking for at this moment. Um, he, was, he was restoring us in a sense, but he was also doing something greater and, and the disciples just hadn't been able to wrap their heads around it. Um, Isaiah 42, 1 through 4, I handed this one out in Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. Um, go ahead and read those if you would. Yes, 42, 1 through 4, and 9, 6 through 7. Behold my, behold my servant, whom I have told, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. A faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastland waits for his law. Isaiah 9. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and So this is what they're expecting, right? Like this is just a small sample of, of the different texts and, and uh, prophecies that are in the Old Testament. So this is what they and all of Israel are expecting. Like he's going to come. He's going to set up a government. He's going to bring justice back, right? He's going to put the Gentiles in their place and, and, you know, and rule and be like, ah, oh, I'm so like awesome, right? That's not what was happening, right? And, and Jesus tells them that this is not the time. And if you look at, at his his response, they're like, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom? And he says, it is not for you to know this time, right? There's, um, there's three different options. One is like, uh, this, this time is not to come yet. And, and I'm, he's being dismissive of their, of their question. He is, uh, I forget exactly what the other two were. I didn't write them in my notes because I'm a silly willy. Um, <laughs> but there's, there's a couple of options. I, I take the, the option that they aren't supposed to know at this point that he doesn't know at this point either and that there is a period of time right that that is going to take place that the gospel is going to go forth and that we are going to proclaim the good news unto the gentiles right um, this is immediately um, followed by him saying that you know the holy ghost the holy spirit's going to come upon us and as sam uh, told us last week that he's going to empower our work into into the nations, right? And this is this is an amazing thing because he is calling us to an impossible task, right? Just think about this, right? We are called to proclaim something to somebody who is dead, right? They they're dead in their soul. They have no 
spiritual life in them. They are dead men walking, essentially. We are called to proclaim the gospel to them and disciple them. And the only way that that is possible, right, the only way that we can actually do this and, and actually fulfill that, that command is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you look at it, it's, it's incredible because we are, because it, it brings all the glory to God. Every single bit of it goes straight back to him because he's the only one that is enabling us. He's the only one that's carrying out the, the plan and the promise that, that he is he's bringing forth to us. Um, and so going back, God he says, go and make disciples into Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the world. Um, there are a couple of takes here, uh, and, and Sam touched on them last week. Uh, the first one is to every part of the literal earth. Um, I think that some of that, like to every nation, every single part of the globe. Um, that's the first take. Um, and then the second one, and I'm, I'm skeptical on this one, just because I feel like it, it's a little bit reading into the text, but uh, the second one, he could be referencing Rome with the uh, going to uh, the ends of the earth because Rome was seen as the entire earth at the time. It was the city itself was seen as the, the city that had roads and uh, ways to go to every end of the earth. Um, I take more of the first one that we're supposed to go and preach the gospel to every nation and every part of the earth, but uh, those are both legitimate options. Um, uh, the Greek word here doesn't really help us one way or the other. It just means earth. Um, so it's used tons and tons of times. So it's not like a specific, it's just a, a general earth talking. Um, but even though this was a specific call, right? The, you're going to go out into, into the world. We have this same specific call on us today. Um, whether or not Jesus specifically was talking about the Roman Empire or the entire earth, we are to proclaim the gospel until Christ's return. Uh, we see this in Matthew 28 and 19. Whoever has that, please. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that's, that's what we are called to do, right? So even though, even though we have, um, we may have not been in that specific Call. We, as uh, their descendants, as their uh, followers, as, as followers of Christ, we are still called to proclaim the gospel. We're still called to proclaim to everyone around us what, what is the good news. Um, moving on to verses 10, or 9 and 10, uh, the ascension. Um, and this is a big question. Why did Jesus have to leave? Um, whoever has the verses 9 and 10, if you would please read them at this moment. No, that's totally fine. Uh, and this, so why did Jesus have to leave, right? And, and Sam talked about it last week, but there's a few reasons. Um, first of all, it's a fulfillment of prophecy. Daniel 7, 13 through 14, I'm going to talk a little bit, but if you could get ready. Um, there's, there's a great many uh, moments in the Old Testament where clouds are talked about. There's uh, specifically judgment texts where um, the Lord of hosts and, and the, the King of glory is, is uh, and Yahweh are... Um, 
punishing evildoers, like he's punishing Israel, he's punishing Assyria, he's punishing Babylon, and, and often in these kind of ideas, he's coming in on clouds, right? And so this is a continuation of very similar ideas and very similar topics and, and verbiage that they're using of Christ, um, which is a very interesting, it's very uh, more of a subtle representation of what, um, of his deity and, his, and what he is in reality. Uh, if Daniel 7 would, would please be read. He had to go up into heaven and he had to receive the glory and honor that, that he deserved from fulfilling and, and completing the task that he was given on earth. Um, that was one reason he had to leave. Uh, the second one is he, he said he would, right? He, he told the disciples several times throughout the, uh, throughout the New Testament that he was going to, to leave them, that he was going to go, but he said that he would also come back. Um, John 14, 28, 29 um, that's a good reference. We're going to skip over that one at the moment. But um, he said, you know, I'm, I have a place. I'm going to prepare it for you, and, and I'll come back, and I'll, I'll bring you with me, basically, is, is the idea for that. And the third one is uh, he's giving time for the gospel to be given throughout all the world, and the gospel will be proclaimed, and then he will return. This one's, I think, very important. Matthew 24, 14. Um, he, right, he just conquered again. He just conquered a kingdom and he is now sending out his heralds. He's sending out us to go out into the world and to proclaim the good news of, of the new kingdom, of the new, uh, basically the new reign of, of Christ on, on this earth. Matthew 24. And this gospel of, of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Yeah. It's going to be a testimony to them. And even if they don't turn, even if they, they don't accept the news, right, there's still a, a proclamation that's going to be sent out to them. And then it says Christ will, will return. So um, going on, there's a, another reason, because Jesus as prophet, um, he's, he's doing this and in order to um, fulfill or uh, give uh, credence to what he has done on earth. Um, by ascending, he's showing that uh, the works that he has done, it's a testimony to the works that he has done here on earth. Um, and Jesus, uh, as we all know, he was the culmination, well, we may not know, uh, he is the culmination of all of the prophets that came before him. Right? All, every single prophet in the Old Testament was looking forward to the time of Christ. They were looking forward and, and longing for that moment when Christ would, would come, when the Messiah would be revealed. Um, and we'll, we'll just point out a couple of them, starting in... Um, in the very beginning, Adam, he was uh, the first prophet, at, at, as you could say. Um, Genesis 2, 7, if that could be read. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed him into his nostrils, the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Right. So Adam, he was the, and, and Christ as the second Adam, is, is the perfect version of Adam the beginning, right? Adam was, was the king of this world. He was the prophet. Um, the one that would proclaim uh, and, and go out into the world and, and, and tell the world basically what the commandments of Christ and, and, and God were. And then he was the priest of, 
uh, of that world. He was the one that would intercede for the people and the, and the things on earth. Um, to the breath of God um, is often a distinguishing factor for the ones that he has anointed. Uh, wind, breath, God breathing, life in Adam's lung, and then he gave him the mandate to take dominion of the world, to populate it, to be God's representative on earth and rule it. Yet, as we all do, Adam failed, right? He, he failed in his duty and his, and his, his goals and his office of, of prophet, and, and he didn't proclaim. He didn't like, um, complete that, that task that, that he was given um, which, is, which is how we got to where we are today. Um, going on, Moses, uh, he told the people that God would raise up a prophet from among his people. Um, Deuteronomy 18.15, and then Peter uh, talks about that verse. He uses that verse in one of his sermons in Acts 3.21-23. Um, this talking about how there is going to be that person that is raised up and that is um, completing the works that that Adam and, and Moses um, were, were trying to do. Um, if those verses could be read, please. Deuteronomy? Yes. Deuteronomy 18.15. And then Acts 3.21-20. Whom heaven must receive until a time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up from you, for you, a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you, and it shall be that every soul who does not listen to the prophet shall be destroyed from the people. Right. <clears throat> Thank you. So, as we talked about, Jesus is his ascension, was the seal of authenticity. Uh, here's a quote from Schneider. Um, he says, the ancient, or I'm sorry, the ascent not only authorizes, but it amplifies and multiplies his prophetic work. So it, it allows his, his words that he spoke here on earth, one, we had it written down by the disciples, and so that way it was is proclaimed out through all the world. And then the people of God going out and proclaiming his words and, and discipling the nations is, is amplifying his work that he could, he could not have done it in his physical form, right? Um, so he's utilizing us, and he's utilizing the disciples in the first century church and, and so on to go forth and fulfill that prophetic um, call on his life, basically. Um, once Jesus had ascended, he sent the Holy Ghost uh, to anoint his people and empower them to perform the task that he, was, he had given them. Uh, this is greater than if he was here bodily. Um, yes, so... Though that indwelling, we are through that indwelling, we are continuing to proclaim Christ's prophetic words to His world. Um, so, now going on, Jesus as priest. Um, Jesus's earthly priesthood is somewhat of a debated topic. Um, there are some, mostly in the liberal, I would say, but um, some in the conservative side that think that uh, Jesus was not a priest here on earth, but once He went up into heaven, He took hold of that priest. Um, that priesthood uh, firmly. I think that there are several instances here on earth that have shown that he is a priest. Uh, first of all, he has he cleansed the temple, Matthew 21, 12 through 13. Um, that was the job of a priest, right? They were the, the ones that were the caretakers of the temple. They, they were supposed to make sure that, that things were in order, that things were the way that, that God had, had 
um, said that they needed to be. Um, Matthew 21, please be read. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. So the priests there on earth, they had failed in their duty. They had let sin and greed and corruption come in. And Christ walked into the temple, saw what was happening, and drove out uh, the sin, basically, um, that was was happening there and and cleansed it uh, so that it would again be a holy place of worship. Um, He taught them to pray, as as we all know. I'm sure that um, we could all quote uh, the Lord's Prayer, but that's something that the priests would do. They would teach their people worship. They would teach them how to do those things. Um, He taught them to fast, right? He's, he taught them how to fast, not to be showy, not to be boastful, not to, to be like, uh, he said to wash your face and, and to, to not allow other people to know that you're, you're fasting in order to, um, to not gain reward here. Because if you're trying to obtain a reward here, then you will not obtain a reward in heaven. These are all duties of the priest. They are the ones who are enacted the feasts, the fasts, the prayers, and the services that the people of Israel went through in the Old Testament. Um, we see him interceding for his disciples often, right? He, he prays for them many times. Um, specifically, he talks to Peter. He said, Peter, I prayed for you. Um, and, and, that, and the devil is going to sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you, and you, and you will stay, basically. Um, if we can have John 17, is, is the, it's not going to be read tonight because that is an incredibly long chapter. But if you have time, I would definitely go and, and encourage you to read it because it's just an amazing prayer of Christ just praying for his disciples and praying for uh, the ones that would come after him um, and, and, and would become um, part of his church later on. Um, he is said to be part of uh, the priest of uh, Melchizedek, uh, Hebrews, I butchered that uh, word, but uh, Hebrews 5, uh, 5 through 10. Um, and Melchizedek is a, uh, a priesthood that is considered to be um, unending. It is considered to be greater uh, than the the priesthood of Israel, right? Um, this is the Melchizedek, if, if you all don't know, was the priest who uh, Abraham went to, and he I, I think he gave offerings um, to him um, to be you know given before the Lord. Um, so this man was seen as a greater person than Abraham was, and Abraham is obviously the patriarch of Israel. Um, Hebrews five. 5 through 10, please be read. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayer and supplication, were taken and cried and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And was heard because of his godly fear, though he was a son. Yet he learned obedience. Now that he has ascended, he has continued his priesthood in heaven. And right before, like right before he ascended, he, he did his um, greatest uh, work on earth. He presented the sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice before God. 
Um, Romans 8, 3, uh, 33 through 35, Hebrews 7, 24 through 25, and 1 John 2, 1 through 2. Please be ready. Um, right? he, he presented, that was one of the main purposes of, of the priesthood. They were to present the offerings, the sin offerings, the, you know, the, the other offerings before the Lord and to burn them and to then basically cover the sins for one year of, of the people of Israel. And, and they were to go into the holy place and present the offering of, of for all of Israel before, before God. And that's what Jesus did right before, his sacri- right before his ascension. He presented himself as a sacrifice, the only perfect and whole sacrifice that could be um, forever covering sins. Uh, those verses, please go. Romans 8. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Hebrews 7.24 But he holds his priesthood permanently, because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So even right now, that is, that is the thing that, that he's doing. He's, he's interceding for you and I. Um, say, I sin, right? I, I think a mean thought about Jeremy, like, I don't like his beard or whatever. His beard's amazing. He has an amazing beard. Um, but I, I have a mean thought about Jeremy's beard. And then I, you know, I repent and I say, I'm, go up to Jeremy. I say, I'm sorry and, and ask for his forgiveness. But in that moment, there's a, there's a, a, a time where I, I've sinned. And, and Christ is, is looking and he's saying, I, he's, he's mine, right? He, I'm interceding for him. His, my blood is applied to him. My righteousness has been applied to Nathan and all my, my works of filthiness and, and rags are, are as nothing and all of his works have been applied to me um, which is just an incredible thought if, um, it's un, like, unimaginable like, if, I'm, as we have very many um, great um, people that are, have went to college and, and that kind of thing can you imagine failing a test and then the person that got 100 their score gets applied to you like that's not that makes no sense, right? Like that would never happen in reality. Um, and this like, like I, my hardest test in the entire apprenticeship that I went through, um, it was 100, 100 uh, questions, and it was over a book that was literally this thick. I'm, I'm not exaggerating. It's 1,700 pages, and we had to read the entire thing um, and figure out what 100 questions this guy was going to ask us out of that that thick of a book. There was one dude, he missed one question. He got 99 questions out of 100 right. Uh, and the professor looked at all of us and he said, I don't think I could have done this. And I wrote test. So just imagining that, like his 99% you know, percent was applied to my, to my 78% or whatever it was. <laughs> would, would have been really nice, but not necessary. Um, but you know, that the... Just think about that. Like, what, what is something that you utterly failed in that you know, oh, man, I sucked really bad in whatever this was? And, and imagine you see somebody that, that excelled in it amazingly, and then you get that position because of what they did for you. Um, it's just not something that we, we see in our, in our world, but that is what Christ is doing for us right now. 
Um, the last thing that, that he's doing, obviously, I'm sure he's doing other things, but this last thing that I'm going to talk about tonight that he's doing in heaven is um, he's king, right? If you ever listen to Nate Meese, he almost always refers to him as King Jesus, um, as a continual bringing back, as a continual reminder to, to us of what position he holds and what position he should hold in our lives and our hearts every single day. Um, looking back, uh, we talked about it earlier, Daniel. Um, Jesus is presented to um, the Lord of hosts as on a cloud, right? He's, he's taking dominion of a kingdom. He's receiving the honor. He's receiving the glory that, that was given to him for the acts that he did on earth. Um, and just as Jesus ascended into the clouds, um, he's uh, introduced, uh, introduced to his father once again. Um, we have 1 Corinthians 15, 25 through 26 read. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. So right now he's, he's reigning. He's not here on earth, right? He, he has set up the, the throne of David. He has fulfilled the prophecies of old uh, in a sense, like the, the already not yet um, dichotomy that we've talked about before. He's He's done all of these things yet we don't see them here on earth and there there will be obviously a time when those will be fulfilled here fully um, but they are currently fulfilled in heaven and Christ has defeated right he defeated Satan here on earth he has done this because uh, the rule of earth was as we talked about earlier was given to Adam and Adam failed in his mission and regency the rule of the earth was hijacked it was hijacked and usurped, and the usurper sat on the throne of earth. And when Christ defeated the devil and his angels, he restored man standing with God, providing a way for them to commune with him. He took back the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and returned the rightful rule to the world of the world to where it originally had begun. Sitting in heaven on the seat of power, proclaiming to all who may see, may see him, who is the king. He then breathes the Holy Spirit into us, right? We receive it, he, like the breath, the wind came into the, the church of, on, in Acts 2. Um, he has breathed the Holy Spirit into his followers to, for us to now be the ones that proclaim the new rule and reign of, of, of Christ on earth. And this is now our mandate. Going into our last section, the promise, if we could have verse 11 read, please. Acts 11, it should be handed out. If not, I can take it. Right, I shall take it. <clears throat> and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Right? This is an eschatological promise and an eschatological reality. Um, he has gone up in heaven, but yet he will return. Um, this promise has been, he has been telling his disciples, right? He's been preparing them. He's like, okay, I'm going to go, right? But I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to stay here, uh, stay there and, and just let you guys uh, and leave you behind forever. Um, John 14, 2 through 3 um, is one explicit text. There's lots of, of moments where he's, he tells them this. Um, but this is, um, whoever has that, if you could get ready. Um, but this is, this is what, what's happening there. This is prepping, and as we've talked about in many other places, this is prepping the idea of the end times, of 
the eschaton, right? John 14, 2 through 3. Is this also not handed out? If so, this is all my fault because I was the one that wrote them down and I cut them out. I'll take it. And I did not. Yeah. Uh, I'll let Sam do it. Oh, okay. You've already got yours. You've already got yours tonight. Yes, 14, 2 through 3. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know that the way to where I am go, uh, and you know the way to where I am going. So he is going, and and this is an idea that he's going to come back and bring the new heavens and the new earth, and he's preparing those places for us. Um, What does the second coming look like? Uh, Just as he went up into the clouds, so shall he return. Uh, Revelations 1, 7, um, and 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 17 give us a a description of Christ's return back on earth. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are left, then we who are alive who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. So this continuation of clouds, right? The the clouds of judgment, the clouds of ascending, the clouds of returning. It's, it's a very present reality that, that, that's showing who Christ is. That, that it's a continuation of, of language that is used throughout the entire Old Testament of, of who Christ is and um, that he is indeed uh, God. Um, secondly, he will come and he will judge the world. Second uh, Timothy 4, 1 through 2, Matthew 25, 31 through 33. Um, he's going to come and he's going to judge, right? He, he, he gave a time of, of reconciliation. He gave a, a span of years. Um, and we don't know how long those are, but he gave you know, an age, we'll just call it an age, that, that the gospel will be proclaimed. And whenever that ends, he's going to come back and he's going to, and he's going to judge. He's going to say, who is, who is with me and then who is against me? Um, Second Timothy. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Matthew 25. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the glorious throne, or his glorious throne, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, just as a shepherd separates his sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. So he's he's coming back, and and there, there, we don't know when, right? And and he's going to come back, and he's going to judge. And so this is a, um, I would say, an urging us forward of, of proclaiming of, an urging us forward of proclaiming the gospel to sinners. Right, because who knows? Who knows how long this period will last? Right, it's lasted two thousand years, but who, it may last two thousand or ten thousand or twenty thousand more, or it could last till tonight. 
Um, so we have no idea. We have no idea how long this is going to last. Um, there are very many verses in the Bible that, you know, the, the parable of the ten virgins, right? We're supposed to keep our lamps um, ready and until the bridegroom comes back. He comes back to, uh, to receive his, his bride and then to, to judge those around them. Um, and what's our duty, right, until he returns? Um, first of all, we are called to put away ungodliness and to look towards the return of Christ. Uh, Titus 2, 11 through 14, um, if whoever has that could read at this time. The grace of God has appeared to bring salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, awaiting for our blessed hope of hearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself the people for his own possession, for his own for good works. So that's what we are called to do, right? We are continually to grow. We are continually to, to look at our lives and to see the sin and to, to uh, destroy the sin that, that so easily besets us, right? Uh, Peter talks about it. We are to make sure our, that our call and election are sure. We, like, we aren't supposed to take it for granted. Um, and if and we look into ourselves, look at I'm going to look at my life this week and be like, where's the fruit? Um, what am I doing that I need to grow better in? And just as we we did a few weeks ago, whenever we were talking about the uh, the discipleship and, and the biblical counseling stuff, right? That what sin is is working on our life? Um, what sin are you struggling with right now? Um, and then Pastor Tony, he has a beautiful um, cutout, and I'm sure he'd be glad to give it to you. But it's uh, the put on and put offs like what why are you doing this what sin is is causing you this and what what inside of you needs to change um, so put on put on Christ put on Christ's righteousness um, take on the the armor of salvation in Ephesians 5 and then throw away uh, the rags of sin that that we, we tend to to clutch to um, and then lastly we are to remain faithful until his return um, 2 Peter 14 through 18. I, I handed this one out, but I'm going to take it. Um, sorry. <laughs> okay, okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. You can have it. All right. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for this, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom um, given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks. In them of these matters, there are some of them, some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as do, as they do with the other scriptures. You therefore, beloved, knowing these, uh, this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Right, so we are we're to remain faithful in our calling. We are continuing in the salvation that we have. We are to continue down the path of righteousness that we have walked upon and that we have started. We are not to give up. We are to to proclaim the gospel as we go, um, and we are and we are to walk in faith um, and not by sight. Um, the conclusion that we have: uh, we have been given the Holy Spirit to be God's heralds. We are to go and tell the world of the good news of the gospel that there is a way for our sins to be forgiven and that the rightful king has once again taken um, his place on the throne. 
King Jesus is currently ruling and reigning in heaven. He is performing the role of prophet, priest, and king until the time of restoration of all the earth has come. We have this promise that just as he rose into the clouds to be received by his father, he will assuredly return on them to judge the living and the dead. Until that day, we are called to be faithful servants, not to neglect our duty, but to continue growing in Christ. We are to put off ungodly behavior and to put on the cloak of righteousness. Um, I'm finished. I will pray here in a second um, to close this out. But uh, if you ever want to learn more or, or to go um, deeper into the topic of the ascension, there's a couple books um, that I would I would recommend. It's one is the Ascension of Christ um, by Schneider. Um, great book. Sam, I, and um, a few others are going through it at the moment. Um, very very good. It's only five chapters long, so not very long and not very um, hefty book, so very easy to get through. Uh, the second one, just for general godly living, um, would be The Golden Booklet of the True Christian Life by John Calvin. It's also like 90 pages long, um, so very easy to get through, but incredibly applicable for our day-to-day lives. Uh, and then last one, just for uh, one person in my crowd and myself, probably, um, maybe two or three. Uh, the Ransom series by C.S. Lewis uh, is amazing, and you should all read it because um, C.S. Lewis has a great ability to take theological ideas and realities and put them into a, um, a fictional form, um, but present them in such a way that is very provoking of thought and also of truth. Uh, all right, I shall end this in prayer and uh, turn this back over to Sam. Um, Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much. Uh, for this day. Thank you for uh, this group of people um, who are, I believe, truly zealous um, servants of you. Um, I pray to God that we would not neglect uh, your gospel, not neglect um, your call on our lives and, and to recognize um, how and, and, and why you, you are working through us. Um, pray that you would continue to empower us and, and to, um, to give us the, the courage um, to, to proclaim your gospel and, and to not be afraid of this world, um, for we know who the king is. I pray that you would continue to grow us in, um, in holiness and, um, and just in righteousness until you come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.